What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the College Underdogs Podcast. I am your host, Trey Smith. And first things first, let me apologize for missing the show yesterday and then for today. If you're a YouTube viewer not having video, if you don't follow me on Twitter or you didn't see the message I put up on YouTube, I got sick over the weekend, didn't know what it was, was trying to power through it, Ended up finding out yesterday it was strep throat. I had fevers, chills, aches. I could barely get out of bed. It was the weirdest thing. feel like I haven't had strep throat since I was a child. Um, got some antibiotic. Feel a lot better today. But tomorrow I'll be back in the studio. I'll be back with the video. Regularly, regularly scheduled programming. But uh, my apologies Uh, for missing yesterday's show, but I was sick. I put a note up on Twitter and on YouTube. I made a little post, so hopefully you saw it. Either way, back in action. Couldn't quite make it to the recording studio today, uh, the area where I record today, but I I wanted to get something out, um, get a show going, got a lot to talk about. And quite frankly, guys, I'm going to start with this JMU situation. You saw what I put on the thumbnail. Do we have a new mid-major sheriff in town? A new G5 sheriff in town? Um, I am going to talk some about basketball as the season officially tipped off last night. Uh, The American Conference had an outstanding showing. I've got some thoughts on that later. But um, man, this JMU thing. Okay, so if you aren't already aware, they sent a letter yesterday afternoon. James Madison University delivered a letter to the NCAA Board of Directors Chair, who I believe is the president of Georgia, requesting relief from the NCAA bylaws restricting transitioning teams from bowl participation. So I got that from Barrett Sally. He put this up on Twitter. And he said, attached were three documents, the letter submitted to the NCAA Board of Directors, additional supportive talking points, and then a resume data profiling the case that JMU is the top group of five team in the country based upon current data as of November 6th, including all zero loss, one loss, and two loss G5 teams. And we've been talking about this for some time now on this channel. JMU, they're 9-0. and They have a Power 5 victory under their belt. They've beaten a team with Power 5 victory under their belt. They play in, um, you know, a tough G5 conference. And I don't think this story is going to go away unless, unless JMU loses. So here's an interesting tidbit here. This is, I'm going to read to you from ESPN, Mark Schlaubach, ESPN senior writer. He has like some actual quotes from the letter, I guess, that JMU sent to the NCAA. It says, uh, the Dukes have embarked on this transition in ways that no other institution has sent, has since the transition rules changed 23 years ago and that their student athletes have achieved an astonishing, unprecedented level of success during this period. Relief that allows our student athletes to participate in a bowl game as their play has earned is warranted. Our student athletes have done everything the right way and they view the postseason 
ban in this instance as inexplicable inexplicable punishment in light of the NCAA's stated priorities. As many commentators have noted, this is an opportunity for the NCAA to do the right thing for student-athletes and recognize their exceptional efforts on and off the field. And the last thing I'm going to read from this article is down here. It says, The NCAA Transformation Committee established new... No. Right here. JMU officials wrote that Due to the diligence and planning of our institution, we were able to confirm that we are meeting the updated requirements now. As far as the updated requirements from uh, FCS to FBS membership, we have met full FBS membership requirements in both years of our transition and will continue to meet them in the future. And yeah, anyways, I'll link this article in the description if you want to go read it. But and I'm curious to know your thoughts. As I read this, it sounds like one of the key arguments that JMU is trying to make is the fact that they feel like they met all the requirements in that tran that the so the transitional window is to give teams time to meet specific requirements as they transition from FCS to FBS. However, the argument it feels like, or it seems like James Madison is trying to argue is we met all those requirements in year one. And now here we are in year two, which they believe they've made a case as the top team at the, in the, at the G five level. So that's where I think they may have some grounds to stand on is if they've met all the requirements of the transitional window in year one and they can prove that they don't need a second year, they could have a case to get the NCAA to lift the to lift the ban or, or, or waive. It's not really a ban. I keep saying ban. I don't mean that. But to, to grant a waiver for this second year. So I, I am curious to see how this plays out. I had a feeling this wasn't going to go away, especially when I talked about it several weeks ago when the um, Congress, no, the, was it the DA or attorney general um, who's also a JMU grad, but the attorney general for the state of Virginia wrote a letter to the NCAA. I think the NCAA is going to have to continue dealing with these requests and lobbyists and things of that nature as long as JMU continues winning. Now, if you look at their schedule, they do have App State coming up. They've got Coastal Carolina coming up. So basically, they finish the season with UConn, App State, Coastal Carolina. And man, if they keep winning, we could see the NCAA make the move. But we'll see. And then, on top of all that, I'm going to transition to basketball now. JMU basketball upsets the number four ranked Michigan State Spartans last night in overtime. And what a game that was. I had to catch most of that on, I caught some of the second half, but I was, guys, I was still out of it. 
during the American Conference games, as they were all kind of slotted in that same time frame, I was bouncing back and forth on ESPN+. And I don't know if any of you follow me on Twitter, but I was like, man, ESPN+, needs a multi-view option. And I know some people would let me know that I guess if you have it through Apple TV that you do get a multi-view option on ESPN+. Plus. Well, I don't have Apple View. I don't have Apple TV. I just want to be able to log into my ESPN+, Plus, watch ESPN, whatever you want to call it, and select which four games or however many that I want to watch at the same time. Because it's very difficult on ESPN+, Plus to navigate multiple games at the same time. Um... I guess it's not very difficult. It's just not as easy as when you're able to just flip through the channels. But JMU upsets Michigan State, beat them in overtime, I believe it was. And, um, man, that last possession. I did see that last possession in overtime. JMU knocks down a big-time three-pointer. Michigan State was down one. They needed a stop and um, gave up the three right there at the end. So here we have it, man. We've got a JMU team who's 9-0, and who's lobbying to get a waiver because, I, I, you know, I'd be curious if they got the waiver where the CFP committee would rank them because they definitely have a case. And now they've started their basketball season off um, with an upset over the top five team on the road. So I'll tell you what, man, JMU, I think has climbed to the top of my, uh, American athletic conference expansion target list. Um, you know, I had Georgia state up there, but man, JMU, this is a, uh, this is a very high quality program, but continuing in the basketball vein, it was a very strong showing for the AAC as they went, I think, 9-1 and one yesterday. 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Yep, they were 9-1. and one. I caught a little bit of – I caught a little bit of a lot. So I really wasn't able to just sit and watch really in-depth any one game. I was trying to just touch each one, trying to get a little bit of each game. Um, so I don't have like a lot of in-depth analysis. I know that ECU put up a 90 piece. Um, that was, that was good. Temple. I watched a little bit of Temple. They dropped 85 on the Maryland Eastern shore. Uh, you know, obviously these are all these non-conference games and you don't want to put too much weight into them, but I mean, UTSA, they were going back and forth with Western Illinois. Uh, now the game that I did stop on was this Bradley-UAB game because that one went into overtime. Uh, UAB was down near 20 early in that game. They battled back. They fought back. And here's what I'm curious of. If you're a UAB fan or a fan that just happened to be watching the game, I could not believe they granted Bradley that timeout on, I guess, what was that second-to-last possession in overtime. When, um, I don't know if he, he kind of knocked the ball loose or if he ran into him, but the ball was loose. UAB and the Bradley player both grab it. Should have been a jump ball, which at that point in the game, UAB had the possession arrow and they granted Bradley the timeout. And that just, it's, it's, 
you know, basketball officiating can be very subjective and it's very in the moment. And the, the coach was right there in the official's face calling the timeout and the official granted it to him. Bradley got to keep the possession and, um, and I think they, that was, was that when they ended up winning? I think they got the layup on the following, on the following play with like three seconds left or something like that. So, yeah, because UAB, I think it was UAB had just tied it up and then it looked like they had gotten the jump ball, would have been their possession. They ended up granting Bradley the timeout. Bradley comes in, gets the layup with three seconds left, and that was what was crazy. I didn't tell – I'd have to go back and watch that play, but um, there was a breakdown defensively there. I don't know if he slipped the screen or why that guy was wide open uh, diving to the basket at that point in the game, but um, – Anyways, uh, Memphis, they started off a little sluggish against Jackson State, but then they got it together, and they put up a 90-piece on Jackson State, uh, and they don't even have Coach Penny yet coaching. I don't – I think – is it a four-game suspension, something like that? Tulane was another one that put up a 90-piece. Um, their game with Nichols was a little was, – was, was a little back and forth, and then they were able to extend their lead there at the end. Um so, yeah, I, I'm excited about this basketball season. Wichita State, 76-59. I told you, I don't know how long it's going to take. I don't know if this year what they're going to look like in conference play, but I'm telling you, with Paul Mills at Wichita State, I don't think it will take very long for them to be another top basketball program in the country, which only helps the AAC from a basketball standpoint. I mean, if you've got Memphis, you've got Wichita, if Temple can get back to being, you know, a, a premier basketball program, I mean, there's, there's, I feel like there's a lot to be excited about. Uh, and then, of course, tonight, North Texas makes their debut, Rice as well. North Texas has Northern Iowa, man. I think that's, uh, that's actually, I think, got the potential to be a pretty good game. Northern Iowa is just one of those mid-majors year in and year out that um, they, they tend to have a pretty good squad. And um, so we'll see. I think they actually have a couple of American teams uh, on their schedule this year. And, so, and then I think Wednesday is when FAU, top 10 FAU makes their – makes their debut, and then USF, I think, the day after that. But basketball season's off and rolling. Looking forward to it. If you happen to watch that UAB-Bradley game, I'm curious to know your thoughts on that that final possession of overtime. And then now let me get to some football. So action-packed weekend. Um, you know, key storylines from the weekend. I think we've narrowed it down to – you know, those top four teams that are competing for that AAC championship game. As I said a couple of weeks ago, I think the UTSA at Tulane and the SMU at Memphis are going to essentially be the two games that determine who plays in the conference championship. You know, the winner of each of those, I think, is who plays each other in the conference championship. So if SMU beats Memphis, UTSA beats Tulane, I think we see UTSA and SMU. Uh, um, that's who will be in the conference championship. 
and then vice versa. You know, Memphis beats SMU, Tulane beats UTSA. We could get a rematch of Memphis and Tulane. You know, the way UTSA has been playing, though, um, this is the team I think we expected from the beginning of the season. Uh, they're rolling right now. Then you've got Tulane, who Tulane is doing what they need to do to win the games. But if you look at their last couple of games, really since Memphis, they've, they've been squeaking by. Um, they have not made it easy, I should say. And so I don't know if you're a Tulane fan, if, if that's a cause for concern. Does that make you worry? Seeing Tulane, um, you know, kind of squeak by on some of these games that maybe you would have expected a, a, a larger margin of victory. Now, again, at the end of the day, a win is a win. And so do what you need to do. But, I mean, a three-point game, ECU, two-point game, Rice, one-possession game, UNT. Now you got Tulsa and FAU coming up. I think we could maybe, you know, this is will be a week Tulane um, against Tulsa gets it back together and, and you know, wins by a possession or two, kind of like they were doing earlier in the season when they were they were really putting teams away and, and it not being so close. Man, because that ECU, that was, a, that was a scare. Then you had SMU. I said it, man. I said it this past week. SMU – Rice was going to be a tougher matchup for them. And I think the final score was indicative of that um, and indicated that when you had, um, what was it, 36 to 31. Um, SMU seemed like they were up by two possessions, but right, like for, for most of the game, but then Rice always had an answer and they would cut it back to, to five, cut it back to six. And so uh, SMU did what they needed to do. Um, that was good for them. I think being that they've just been blowing teams out here lately. And I think it was good for them to get a close, a close game in there. I mean, they've really, every conference game they've played this season, they've blown the team out. And so having a close game, I think was, was good for the Mustangs. Um, and now they've got UNT coming up. They got a, a nighttime game against uh unt on espn2 uh, i think is that friday is that friday i think it is yeah i think that's a friday night game on espn2 you know i don't unfortunately what i think could normally probably draw a pretty good crowd i think will be hurt by the texas high school football playoffs kicking off this friday but then they got the big showdown with Memphis, uh, which speaking of Memphis, they almost um, lost to USF. I think the last two weeks with Memphis, they've kind of been squeaking by a little bit like Tulane has been with their, their close call at UNT, their close call against USF. Um, but they've got Charlotte this weekend. I think they'll take care of business. Um and then it sets up what I think will be a great game against SMU. So those are kind of the four that, from a conference standpoint, we're watching. Obviously, you know, from a New Year's Six perspective, Tulane is in the driver's seat. I don't know. I'm curious to see what the CFP comes up with tonight as it pertains to, um, 
as it pertains to how they've got like a Fresno State ranked, if they're even ranked, if they're in the conversation because they just beat Boise. They're they're a team that if they go on to win the Mountain West, they could they could sneak in there. But I still like Tulane. I even I don't know. I mean, I even think SMU or Memphis with two losses could get it. And then I think UTSA's biggest hope of getting that with three losses was Boise State beating Fresno State. But we're just going to have to see how it plays out. I think the other storyline as it pertains to the conference is bowl eligibility. You know, the American Conference is, is a conference that typically puts, you know, six or seven bowl eligible teams in. And I think right now um, you've got four that are in. And honestly, you've got two others. I think we may see six at, at a max. We'll see six. And I think the most likely team to be that fifth team getting the bowl bid is USF. Because I like them against Temple and Charlotte. Which, by the way, shout out Temple. Okay. They... uh they uh they came to play against Navy and uh, I think Warner was back and threw for 400 yards and four touchdowns and showing you know how much they've missed him during this stretch of of games they've lost but um you know there's a lot of teams that like mathematically could still make it now I'm sure that will that's going to change a lot after this weekend but for me the teams that most likely have a chance are USF because I think they beat Temple and Charlotte. And then I think FAU at Rice, that game, which should end the season. Um, I think that's each of their last game of the season is FAU at Rice. Yeah, I think that game, whoever wins that game, will be the sixth bowl bid for the American Conference. Because I think Rice, Rice ought to beat ECU no I'm sorry FAU I think could be they got ECU and then Rice has Charlotte yeah we'll see but it's looking like six teams is the max that the AAC is going to be able to get in seeing how the games play out this weekend because you got teams like UAB North Texas um Charlotte even, Tulsa, Temple. I mean, all these teams technically aren't mathematically out. They just have to they have to pull off some upsets. Navy's not even technically out. So we'll see after this weekend who's still in the hunt. Um, but I do think USF, they, they're two wins away. Uh, FAU and Rice are both two wins away. And I think USF uh, has two two games they can win left on the schedule. But that's it for me today. Again, I apologize for not having my video. I will be back to regularly scheduled programming tomorrow. Um, and uh, if you're listening on the streaming platforms, it doesn't probably make any difference to you because you're not watching. Well, I guess if you're on Spotify, I've been putting the videos on Spotify. But uh, yeah, as always, like, subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. Comment right now. Share this with a friend. And if you're listening on a streaming platform, leave this a five-star rating and a positive review. I would greatly appreciate it. That's it for me today. College Underdog Podcast signing 